Hey there, this is Pastor Corey, and welcome to the Branch Life Podcast. After you're done listening, I invite you to connect with us at branchlife.church to make sure you're up to date with everything going on at Branch Life. Want to share what you heard today? Subscribe to our YouTube channel and share this video with someone you want to encourage. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope that this presentation helps you connect with Christ and challenges you to reach those around you with the good news of Jesus. Hey, welcome to Branch Life Online. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors at Branch Life, and we're glad that you're joining us for this worship time and teaching. We're so uh, excited to continue our series called Reintroducing Jesus as we go through the book of Matthew, and we've started at the very first verse in Matthew, and we're going to travel all the way through this book over the course of this year together and these series. So our Matthew journals are in, and if you would like one of these, just let us know. We'll work at getting them to you if you're watching online, and if you are able to come in person, you can grab one when you're with us uh, as a church at our Pewtown campus in the days and weeks ahead. We're going to continue on with this series today, and before we get there, I just wanted to thank all of you who have invested time, energy, service, and have given regularly to Branch Life Church. God is using your gifts, and he's multiplying them as we serve our community and as we prepare our new campus uh, for its launch, which is coming up in just a few weeks. So thank you, thank you, thank you for giving. And if you would like to make giving a part of your worship time today, you can simply do that at branchlife.church slash give. Also at that website, you'll find your connection card, and we'd love to hear from you. So please take a moment to fill out your connection card, whether you're watching this Sunday morning or you're watching this at another time, go ahead and fill out that card. Let us know that you worship with us. And hey, if there's any questions that you have or a way that we can pray for you, that card is a great way to communicate with us and to, yeah, that's right, connect. So as we jump into our series today, Reintroducing Jesus, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 4, and we hope that this will be an encouragement to you. It'll help you deepen your faith wherever you are on your faith journey. We're glad that you're participating in worship with us today. Enjoy today's discussion, and we hope to see you again next time. Hey, let's dive into our Bible study today. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, go to Matthew chapter 4. We're going to read those in just a moment. And don't forget, these Matthew journals are available. If you'd like to follow along, mark it up, take notes as we travel through our Matthew study, literally starting in verse 1, chapter 1, and going through the whole book this year. We're in a section that we're calling Reintroducing Jesus, and it's bringing us to the, to the passage in Matthew 4 where Jesus undergoes temptation. So we are talking about temptation today. And here's a couple of just facts about temptation. We are guaranteed 100% that you will face temptation. It's 100% guarantee you're going to face it. You've probably already faced temptation today, and you're probably going to face it again before the day is out. Temptation is a constant in our lives, and so we need to know how to deal with it and how to wrestle with it. Would you be tempted if I brought to you a chocolate chip cookie? Now, I don't, know, I don't know for you if this is a strong temptation or not. Uh, my niece, Jordan, I love her. She does not like chocolate. So she would take one look at this chocolate chip cookie and be like, eh, I'm good with that. Others of you are going, how dare he bring a chocolate chip cookie to a sermon? Like that's an extremely difficult thing for you to resist this temptation. I have been resisting temptation for the past couple of years. I've gone almost no carbs and no sugar. And so something like this, for me, I'm smelling it, I'm seeing it, it's very taking a lot of willpower in this moment not to take this temptation. Listen, temptation is 100%, 100% guaranteed. 
But what if it was more than just one chocolate chip cookie? What if we just, oh, I don't know, got crazy and brought an entire package of chocolate chip cookies, right? Temptation is 100% guaranteed, and now it got just a little bit harder if this is your thing. But maybe chocolate's not your thing. Maybe you're someone who has a different kind of a sweet tooth. And what if I walked into uh, your screen and through the miracles of television could pass you, that's right, cheesecake. This is an incredible cheesecake. It's got the cheesecake filling with the sweet icing on top and the graham cracker cut crust at the bottom. Uh, we've been giving these cheesecakes out over the past few months during the COVID, uh, COVID struggles that we've all been having. We started partnering with Costco and they've been donating food and they often are donating cheesecakes. So we give them out to food shelters, to families in need, to people who are quarantined. And uh, so we're constantly passing these things out. Again, I don't eat this. This is not something I'm allowed to eat. It's not on my diet. So I just have to resist the temptation and distribute it to other people. Uh, we gave one of these uh, cakes out to a friend of ours and we didn't see her until another month later. She was a single mom. Her and her son are the only two at the house. And when she came back, she said, I'm mad at you. And we're like, what? I, I don't know what you're mad at. She goes, uh, it's because of you that I've gained 15 pounds. And we're like, what? We didn't make you gain 15 pounds. She's like, no, you gave me, a single mom with only one other person in my house, an entire cheesecake. And I ate the whole thing. These cheesecakes from Costco are not small. And if this was sitting on your counter, would you be able to resist it? Now, temptations are 100% guaranteed. But let me tell you something else about temptations. Temptation is always leading you to do something bad. Temptation is always something that's bad for you. Now, when's the last time you heard someone say, I'm tempted to eat a box of lettuce? Doesn't, doesn't really come up a lot. As a matter of fact, if it was lettuce versus cheesecake, which one would you say is the temptation, right? Temptation is not a draw to do something good. Temptation is a draw to do something bad. The reason we call temptations temptation is because they are an attack and it's leading you to do something harmful, something that you shouldn't do, something that would, would work against a plan or the right decision or the right choice. It's temptation when you're going for the junk food, not when you're going for the healthy food in life. Today, we are not only talking about temptation, we're talking about how you can resist temptation, how you can have victory over temptation. More than the temptation to eat the wrong stuff, the to everyday temptations that come into our lives that cause us to make wrong, sinful choices. Let's dive right in. So if you have your Bibles, grab, grab your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 4. We're going to start reading in Matthew chapter 4 in verse 1, and then we're going to run through uh, the rest of this passage together. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 says this, Then Jesus was led by a serpent into the wilderness, excuse me, led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and for 40 nights, he was hungry. All right, there is a lot here. We could spend our entire time together in just this passage because Matthew chapter 4 introduces us to several huge topics. Some very big theological questions come up in just this one verse. So let's think about some of these. We're not going to be able to deal with all of these in detail today. If you have a question about any one of them, write it in your connection card. 
First, it says Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. Massively huge topic. What does it mean to be led by the Spirit? We're going to talk about that just briefly in a moment. The next topic that comes up is the topic of temptation. What does it mean to be tempted? Where does temptation come from? Why should I be aware of it? How do I deal with it? And then we are introduced to a brand new character. This is the first time he comes up in the New Testament, but he's going to come up quite a bit. His name is Satan. This is the, our first interaction with the devil himself. We met him first in Genesis chapter 1 in the Garden of Eden, and here he is in the very beginning of the New Testament in Matthew chapter 4. He comes to tempt Jesus, who was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Who is the devil? What does it mean? Does he really exist? What, is, what role does he play in our lives? Our next topic is the topic of fasting. Prayer and fasting always go together in the Bible. And the Bible says that Jesus started fasting here in the wilderness for 40 days and for 40 nights. And here's what you need to know about fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. It's going to mean you'd be hungry. So Jesus went through this, this incredible uh, transformation. He went through this incredible spiritual journey where he was led by the Spirit and then attacked by the devil at the end of this journey. Imagine putting yourself into this situation, alone, in the wilderness, tired, hungry, led by the Spirit, but attacked by the devil. This is the moment that we're jumping into. So let's think about these topics just for a second. Last week at Jesus' baptism, we were introduced to the Holy Spirit who descended like a dove onto Jesus' shoulder. Last week, and if you want to check it out, you can go to the website and listen to last week's talk. We learned that the Holy Spirit is present when we are moving in the direction that he wants us to move in. The, the Spirit descends on us and causes us to move a new direction in our life. Before you are saved, you do not have the presence of the Holy Spirit. You're living life one way. Once you accept Jesus as your personal Savior, you receive the Holy Spirit, and now you're living a new life. You're on a new journey. You're in a new path. If you have not yet decided to follow Jesus, I, I can tell you as someone on this side of the journey who has made the decision to follow Jesus, it's a drastic difference to have the Holy Spirit in my life versus not having the Holy Spirit. Here's the truth that you need to understand today about the Spirit's leading. The Spirit does lead. The Spirit is present in our lives. It is not a question, Christian, of whether or not the Holy Spirit is leading you. It's a question of whether or not you're following. The Holy Spirit is always leading, always guiding, always directing, always speaking. And are you listening and walking by the Spirit, or are you walking by the flesh? This is hugely important when it comes to the topic of temptation. My wife asked me this this week as I was studying for this, how do you hear the Spirit? How do you know the Spirit's leading you? We talked about it with our kids at the dinner table. Kids, have you ever felt the presence of the Holy Spirit? Our kids both have been baptized. They both have been saved. And so they both have the presence of the Holy Spirit. So when do you feel them? I told the kids that one of the times that I feel the Holy Spirit the most is when I'm speaking, when I'm preaching God's Word. And sometimes the Holy Spirit takes me in a direction that I'm not ready for, that I, I didn't know I would go. He brings a thought. He brings a truth. He brings a story, a recollection, and he empowers that conversation. And it's something that I, I can't explain, I can't identify, but I know that it's happening when I'm sensitive to the Holy Spirit. 
frankly, last week's sermon, I didn't, I didn't really love. I didn't think it went that great. I was a little bit hard on myself, and I remember thinking after that service was recorded or that it was done, that I, I, we forgot to pray before the service started. We always pray over these services, over these recordings, and we didn't do it last week. And I felt like it was harder because I wasn't as sensitive to the Spirit's leading. The Spirit leads. And it's a powerful, awesome truth that I wish I had more time to go into, but we just don't have that time today because there's other topics that come up like prayer and fasting. This idea of prayer and fasting will go will come up again in other chapters in Matthew, but Jesus gives us the example of fasting. He, he, he illustrates it for us in this really important time in his life. He's about to go from being a carpenter to being in ministry, to doing the work of a spiritual leader, and he's making this transition. After he's been baptized, he's going a new direction. And so what does he do at the very start of that? He stops for prayer and fasting. He's setting aside this time. So, so what is prayer? What is fasting? Prayer is obviously having a conversation with God. We're supposed to pray continually. So how does fasting play into it? Fasting is when we deliberately choose to hold back from something like food or a meal but you can fast from technology, you can fast from speaking, some people take a vow of silence, you can fast from all kinds of things so that you can focus on prayer. And the Bible says that we're not supposed to brag about our fasting or even let other people know that we're doing it. It's something that we do in private so that we can have more concentration or communication with God. And there is this important example of fasting before important events. And so doing it in preparation for the future. So Jesus is doing this in this moment. And as a church at Branch Life, we're in the midst of 36 days of prayer and fasting. And the reason we are focusing on these 36 days of prayer and fasting is we are preparing, number one, for Easter on April 4th. And we're excited about what God could do on Easter, how people could listen online, how they could participate in in-person services. And we're asking God to do some incredible things. So we're inviting our whole church to be involved in prayer and fasting. But we're also, also praying at this moment because Easter marks a new journey for our church. It marks something special that's going to be happening. We're moving into our brand new campus. We're starting from a brand new location. We have a place to call home. And we believe that God is going to enable us to, to expand and to be able to grow and to be able to reach and serve more people because of this brand new chapter. Before we start that, we thought it was important to encourage people to pray and to fast. So in our prayer and fasting, 36 days of prayer, you can go to the website and you can find this information about fasting, its purpose, how you do it, and what it means to be participate in fasting. And we have set aside Thursdays and Fridays as optional days for prayer and fasting. You can choose to fast over one meal. You can choose to fast over a whole day or even a whole weekend. You might ask the question, well, how did Jesus fast for 40 days? You would die if you didn't eat. It wasn't a complete and total fast. It wasn't like he had no nutrition or no drink, but he had significant fasting through those 40 days, enough so that he was obviously hungry. So Jesus gave us an example, and we encourage you to follow it in prayer and fasting. Now, the next big thing that comes up is this idea of the devil. We are introduced to Satan himself in this passage. 
If you want to look at a little bit of the history of Satan, you can go to Genesis and you can find his story in the garden. You can go to the book of Job and you can learn about how Satan attacks and how Satan comes into the story in the book of Job. And then you can see here in Matthew chapter 4 what Satan does when he attacks Jesus. Now here's, here's what we need to know about Satan when we start right off the bat. Number one, Satan is real. Satan exists. This is not a figurative passage. This is a literal event. This is something that actually happened that Jesus did. It's not a made-up story or a made-up parable. Jesus is as real as Satan. And we are seeing them side by side in this conversation. When the Bible says Satan is like a roaring lion roaming around this earth, seeking who he may devour, this is real. And so Satan is present in a reality in our lives, in our day, in our world, and in our culture. And we need to know our enemy, we need to know how to resist him and how to fight him. But here's the promise. The victory is already won. We don't need to be terrified of Satan. We just need to be wise in our approach to dealing with Satan and with the devil. As we go into this passage, we have this warning about the devil and about what the devil does. Because of Jesus' story, we know this. The devil attacks when you are physically starving, when you are emotionally isolated, and when you are at the spiritual starting line. Let me break this down for you. Remember, Jesus has just done 40 days of fasting and he's hungry, and that is when the devil comes. He is coming in this moment of physical weakness, hoping that he would have an in to tempting Jesus and winning in this temptation. Are you someone that struggles when you are physically starving? Uh, for Pastor Scott, he gets hangry, right? Have you ever heard the phrase hangry? That's when you're hungry and angry at the same time, and you're probably a little bit more angry than you would be because you're hungry. So Pastor Scott, when he's fasting, you know it because he's a little bit more on edge, right? He's got a little bit more of a hangry principle. When I was in college, we were taught the halt uh, the halt principle. You need to halt when certain things are going on in your life because you are more susceptible to making a bad choice. Halt means pause when you're hungry, when you're alone, when you're angry, when you're lonely, and when you're tired. Under these moments of physical stress, you can be tempted and the devil will tempt you and attack you when you're emotionally exhausted, or excuse me, when you're physically exhausted. He's going to come in in those moments because you have less willpower, you have less awareness, and you are in a weaker state. We need to be aware that in our lives, when we are under physical distress, you could be sick, you could be injured, you could be literally starving, you could be weaker for whatever reason, that is when you will be attacked. So be ready, be strong, be aware that the devil uses this tactic. He also comes at us when we are emotionally isolated. Jesus had been in the wilderness for 40 days. He had been, other than with the Holy Spirit, by himself. He wasn't around his family. He wasn't around his, his disciples, his followers. He wasn't around the church. He didn't have his community support around him. We understand now isolation in a whole new way. Over this past year, we have been isolated, and there are friends and family, you're watching this online right now because you are not yet ready to be in community, in the presence of more people due to the dangers of the pandemic. That's isolation. That is, that is being secluded from community. 
And we can do things online. We can have Zoom calls and Zoom conversation, but it's not the same. There's an emotional isolation. There is a detachment. That's why when people are getting the vaccines, they're crying. They're having an emotional reaction to, to the, just the ability now to go connect with someone. And grandparents are hugging their grandkids for some, in some cases, the first time in a year. Today, as I stand here, this is literally the first Wednesday that our kids have been in a school building since March a year ago. There's isolation and our kids are seeing their friends that they haven't seen for over a year. This is a moment you need to be aware that Satan will attack you. This, these are the times that Satan comes in and he tries to get you to eat extra cheesecake, to grab those chocolate chip cookies, to make those choices that you shouldn't make. And the third time that we have to be warned about uh, the devil coming in is at a spiritual starting line. Have you ever made a significant decision to make a change, to pursue God, to, to get connected to a church, to start serving in a way that you hadn't served before? Have you, have you ever said, you know what, I'm, I'm, going, I'm at camp or I'm at a church service or I'm in this mission trip and I'm, I'm going to make changes, I'm going to serve God and I'm so excited about what God is leading me to do and what he's calling me to do. And all of a sudden something causes that to come to a screeching halt. And what you thought you were going to do, you're now, you're out. Because, because there was an accident, because there was a, a mistake, because you got discouraged, because all of a sudden you felt like you couldn't do it. You weren't, it wasn't within your realm of, of possibilities. You thought you were strong enough, but you're just not strong enough. You thought you had the time, but all of a sudden you don't have the time anymore. What is that? That spiritual attack from Satan when you're on a spiritual starting line. You see, if you're deciding to do something good, if you're deciding to build the kingdom, if you're deciding to repair a marriage or to parent in a whole new way, the last person in the world that wants to see that happen is Satan. He does not want to see you starting to fight for the kingdom. He doesn't want to see you making spiritual promise. He doesn't want our church to grow. He doesn't want this next season to be successful. So Satan is going to come at you at a spiritual starting line. Jesus was just getting ready to launch his ministry. And Satan said, if I can stop him now, none of that will happen. And if Satan can stop you now from building the church, from serving, from getting involved, from reaching more people, if he can discourage you at the starting line, he won't even have to worry about the rest of the journey. So when you are about to start something spiritual, be aware that Satan will attack. We've been, start, we've been planting Branch Life Church now for over two years. And during this two-year period, we have felt this spiritual attack like never before. It's been more intense. It's been more pointed. It's been more prominent. And, and here's the message that, that we have from that. We're doing something right. We're doing something good. And Satan doesn't want it to happen. When you are about to start something spiritual, you better be ready for that next day. When you make a spiritual decision, Satan is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So those are the warnings that bring us into the rest of this passage this morning. And today we're going to look real quickly at the three temptations and see what we can learn from them and why Jesus includes them in this passage. So the rest of Matthew chapter 4 verses 3 through 10 talks about three temptations. These are temptations specific to Jesus but are also general to all of us as well. Temptation number one teaches us this. That Satan will attack your flesh. 
Satan is going to attack your flesh. And flesh is just simply another uh, word for your body. He's going to try to get you to do things you shouldn't do uh, with your body. Here's the verses. And the tempter came and said to him, Jesus, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Again, there's a lot of theology in these verses. First of all, the Satan, Satan is called the tempter. There's lots of names for the devil in the Bible, and the tempter is one of them. He is the attacker. He is the one trying to get you to sin and to do something wrong. 100% chance you're going to be tempted. 100% chance those temptations are wrong for you. So the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, this is not a question that the Satan is asking. This is a statement of certainty by the devil himself. In this sentence, the devil is saying that Jesus is the son of God. That's the way the language comes together. In other words, Satan confirms for us what we all are saying is true. Jesus is God. And Satan knows that. Satan believes that, and Satan is trying to mess up God himself in these moments. If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. You can use your power to feed yourself. But Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So why is this a temptation? Would it have been wrong of Jesus to turn stones into bread after 40 days of fasting. That's an incredibly spiritual thing. I remember in my youth group growing up, our, our youth pastor had us go away for a weekend. And on Friday and Saturday, we fasted uh, through Sunday. And then Sunday night, we had a feast. It was called a feast, uh, fast to feast weekend. And we feasted together and we ate all this food. Was there something wrong with eating a lot of food after fasting for a few days? In this case, yes, there was something wrong with it. And let me explain it like this. Jesus was sent to earth as a man, not as Superman. Let me explain that again. Jesus was sent as a man, not as Superman. D Jesus has some incredible powers. Of course, he is God, but he is God in human form. And Jesus, though he had the abilities to do miracles, he was asked to do miracles for the benefit of God's glory and our humanity. Every time Jesus did a miracle in the Bible, including his own resurrection, it wasn't for his personal benefit. It was for God's glory. It was for us. It was for other people. He wasn't going around kind of like the wizards that you see on like Harry Potter or on WandaVision or something like that. They use their powers to cook their meals, right? And it's just sort of okay because they have those powers. In this case, if Jesus would use his powers for himself, it would have been a selfish act. And selfishness is a sin. Instead of trusting in God and in God's plan and in God's provision the human way, he would have shortcut God's plan to benefit himself. In this moment, we're reminded of the verse in Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. It says this, The Son of Man came to not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The devil was tempting Jesus to serve himself and not serve mankind. It was against his purpose for being, for existing. And so this temptation was a temptation of flesh. Serve yourself, Jesus. Be selfish, Jesus. 
Use your powers for your own benefit, Jesus. That's what Satan was trying to get him to do because he was hungry. This happens to us all the time. Satan brings this attack and he attacks our flesh and he tries to get us to serve ourselves. And we exist as followers of Jesus, not to serve ourselves, but to serve others. This is why we are a church. This is what the church has been called to do. This is what Christians are called to do. We exist not to be served, but to serve others. And it begs the question, why do you participate in church? Why are you a part of a church body? Not to be served, but to serve others. And we get this so backwards so much of the time. Here's the challenge that I want to leave with you based on this first temptation. Church, it is always better to ask, what about them? than it is to ask, what about?